Hello and welcome to another episode of Interview with a Schizophrenic. Today my guest is Brian from Ohio in the USA. Um, hello Brian, how are you doing this weekend? I'm uh, very good. Uh, appreciate the chance to come on and give my voice and lend it to the movement to unstigmatize schizophrenia. Uh, that's um, exactly what we want to do here. Uh, we're all about um, spreading the message that schizophrenia is not something to be afraid of. It's a genuine condition and the people who are diagnosed with it, you know, go through a lot of pain and suffering. So Brian, tell me, you were you were diagnosed about nine years ago. Tell me what happened before then, what, you know, what was the, what was leading up to the diagnosis? Um, well, for me, um, it kind of, the disease kind of stalked me for a little bit until it decided to really show its face beginning about, about 10 years ago. Um, and I kind of knew what was happening because um, by career-wise, I'm actually a psychologist. And so I had had lots of experience with mental disease. Um, and even, even before getting my own diagnosis, I used to even use the term mental illness, and I don't anymore. I differentiate between mental disease and almost um, um, non-chronic illness that's, that comes and goes. To me, there's a very big difference in the way you have to look at it and treat it and realize that it's a permanent affliction that's not just going to go away. And so the, the symptoms began to surface, like I said, about 10 years ago, and I kind of had an idea of what was happening um, though I had somewhat a hopeful desire that it wouldn't be that, but I had been too close to those who had the disease to not know exactly what was happening. And then it really just went full steam um, almost immediately. And I had... Um, some of the most worst symptoms you could think of. And really, I, I should have at the time been institutionalized, but I didn't. And I really think that's kind of what precipitated the disease taking as strong as an effect on me that it did, which really destroyed my uh, marriage and family and career at the time. Um, and... Uh, that's unfortunately been permanent, like like the disease itself. Um, and so I went through um, a barrage of symptoms, uh, a large gamut of them to where it, it pretty much makes it almost non-specific form of schizophrenia because there's too many symptoms to narrow it down to just uh, paranoid or schizoaffective um it's it's unfortunately um, the worst of the grab bag that someone could have. Well, you know, going back so ten years ago, okay, you were 
you worked as a psychologist. You um, you must have spoken to schizophrenics and to other people with mental health conditions. What what do you think triggered your illness? Do you think it was just a, a predisposition, or you know, do you think there might have been like a trigger, like some sort of event? It's it's really difficult for for me specifically to pinpoint what I could think could have, I think it's number one genetic, but as far as I know, there's not a single person in my family or the history going back that I know has any symptomology of having the disease. Some bipolar and depression in certain people, yes, but schizophrenia, no, not in any shape or form. My history of growing up um, is one of extreme... um, Pain, suffering, trauma, violence, um, just, a hor- just a really terrible horror story. So you would almost think that back then it would have surfaced, but it, it didn't really. Um, I'm really a survivor of what I went through and still going through. And so really when the disease decided to surface, um, I had been married for a couple years and I had a child who was um, around uh, nine to ten. Um, I had, you know, I was doing multiple things psychologically wise and working another job, um, publishing a book. Um, I'm also um, an ordained monk in the Buddhist tradition, and so I had, you know, many, many, many years of mental training and acuity as well as being a psychologist. So there was nothing in my lifestyle that would have denoted um, doing something that might have precipitated it coming to genetic fruition. I just think, hey, it decided it's going to rear its head, you know, when I'm around 40, 41 years of age, maybe a little bit before that, when it started its onset. And then that basically just led to it just blossoming as strongly as it wanted to, um, and then sooner or later I began, uh, finally taking some antipsychotics to battle the symptoms and that, um, that was a horror show in itself going through the various ones to find one that would work for me. I mean, those, you know, I, I was a very adamant anti-medication person being a psychologist and not a psychiatrist because I had seen a lot of the damage the drugs did and then looked up the effects for taking them for myself and just realized how much of a guinea pig I was going to be. Um, And that was a whole horror story in itself, trying to find one that, well, was somewhat working. And then I actually got off of them for a while and then finally got back on them again when I found one that I could order from overseas because of the cost involved in the U.S. is just outrageously ridiculous for people trying to get help and get drugs with basic insurance. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the medication is kind of like a, a necessary evil, isn't it? I mean, it's it's something that we've, we've got to take um, just to be able to function. I mean, I mean in my story, I, I spent one year without medication and it was absolutely awful. 
Um, so I never want to do that again. So I mean, I mean, I, I guess you, you also accept that you know medication is necessary. It might not be the answer, but it's necessary. You, you know what I mean? Well, um, and, and like like for myself, what what I notice is the medication just really takes the edge off because the number of symptoms that I have are so unfortunately wide ranging um, that there's, it's the daily struggle to just get through the basic things um, because of issues with like anhedonia and avolition and allergia and, and various symptoms that cause lack of motivation, inability to express yourself, not having enjoyment in doing anything, um, you know, that affects you trying to have a basic job. Um, even the most simplest, even the most simplest of jobs can be every day can be just an anxiety inducing horror show for someone who's not got the edge taken off with the medications lowering the effects of the brain that just information just floods in and aggravates you and then can cause like an emotional reaction. And that of course can send you into psychotic episodes or disassociate disassociation and various other problems. So let's talk about some of those symptoms. Um, you know, you've talked about the negative symptoms affecting uh, ability to do a job and that's absolutely right. And, but I guess, Schizophrenia is more is more well known for the positive symptoms. Um, so, what kind of positive symptoms do you have? Do you let's talk about that? Do you have delusions and paranoia and hallucinations? And, yeah, and um, for for me, um, and now you know, like ten years later, it's definitely not as horrifically strong as it used to be. When they first set in, um, it, it was, I, I really cringe at how much I put my wife and child through, but I was, you know, I'm sick. It's, it's not like it's, you know, something you can just stop doing. You, you have a disease and the brain is malfunctioning and it's malformed and it's not like you're choosing or want these delusions because they're terrifying. Um, the one, the couple of them was um, seeing um, demons, and that really um, would really terrify me. Usually in the evening and at night, um, getting up to like use the restroom would be a horror show because I would have to. Um, I would think that they were coming up from the the basement you know, to come after me. So I would, I would sometimes barricade myself in the restroom and, and wouldn't be able to come out till my wife come down and got me. Um, the feelings of things crawling in your brain and on your skin. Um, the bug thing, as a lot of people call it. Um, for me, it was like just every orifice had something crawling in it. And actually in my skull, um, and unfortunately, it was so bad that I actually tried um, to panning where I was going to drill a hole in my skull with a drill that I had. Um, she came in on that one and stopped me before I caused too much damage. Um, so things along those lines. 
and then the unfortunate effect of uh, the voices uh, that was really problematic. Um, hearing things being said, of course, and um, well, I had kind of um, an, a wide range of them. It wasn't just um, the negative ones, like people saying or yelling things that are um, um, uh, hurtful and such, but I would hear like, what did you say? Oh, I didn't say anything. And I would think that there was conversations going on and I would be confused as to who's talking to me. And so I was very disoriented many times that way, not knowing conversations that I had or ones that, um, I didn't have, um, and then another one, another one that was very problematic was it sounded like there was um, like a group of people having a conversation in the other room or like a radio station on an old radio when you would go through the channels and it would kind of have that white noise sound. I would hear that a lot of times and that would cause problems going to sleep. Um, and really now that's kind of the only one I I really have along the lines of the the audible audible per se. Um, now visually, now um, there's um, a grab bag of them that happens. Um, I've actually been able to uh, transfer the inner landscape over to an external artistic one, and I've actually been able to create artwork that shows what I'm seeing. Luckily, I have the ability to do that, and that's very cathartic for me to get that out of my system and kind of externalize the internal so other people can see it and say, oh, I have the same thing that I go through. I'm glad somebody else put it on like a, a photograph or a piece of artwork. Um, the skin-crawling thing still gets to me a lot of times. I can't remember the something tosis or something like that to where you feel like bugs are all over you. Um, uh, and then there's many times, um, uh, a lot of, um, problems, um, speaking and getting out what I'm trying to say. They sometimes call it like word salad or other times they call it like a word, a speech desert to where you can't, um, communicate what you're saying, uh, and, uh, a lot of times like phantom feelings or smells or sensations. So there's a lot of that still existing, um, in my purview that I have to deal with on a daily basis. But, uh, luckily one of the, yeah, I was just going to say, um, you talked about your art and you know, you obviously have quite a lot of severe symptoms, I would say. I mean, and obviously medication, like you say, takes the edge off it. Do, do you have like coping methods um, to soothe your mind, to take you away, away from external stimuli, to you know, to keep to, to keep you calm and to to take you into a better place. Do you have? Do you do any coping exercises? Oh sure, sure. I have um, <laughs> a, a large arsenal that I've created. Um, first and first and foremost, lifestyle is the, the, the biggest key one. I try to limit as much as I can being in areas that are overly stimulating, um, loud, lots of music, lots of noise. 
a lot of movement too much that can overwhelm my senses and just kind of set me, you know, well, set the person off into a psychotic episode where you dissociate or um, your emotional reaction is through the roof, which is really a kind of flight or fight or flight uh, reaction. Um, a lot of um, mental drills of going through, like doing um, mindfulness of the body of what I'm feeling, mindfulness of the emotions of what I'm feeling, try to recognize through a mantric system of single-mindedly focusing on something like a repeated phrase that can reorient the mind and kind of get it back on the rails once it comes off. Um, and so there's a lot of techniques like that. Diaphragmatic breathing is very important. Belly breathing, as they call it. Um, there's actual ways to where you can massage the body and certain pressure points on the body to help stimulate calming the nervous system down. So there's um, a large grab bag that I've acquired over the years that, well, I used in my counseling um, years ago. I now apply to my own needs and situation as they arise. Um, but uh, unfortunately, sometimes it's it's just a um, crap show when you just try to do damage control. Um, sometimes if the internal emotions are so strong, I can sometimes create artwork to cope with it. So I do, um, uh, what would that be, art therapy to kind of get the emotions in a cathartic sense out of my system and make myself feel better of getting it onto the paper and kind of expelling it from myself. So there's... um. I also exercise routinely on a daily basis to help focus myself and um, get rid of maybe excess energy or agitation I might have. So there's a multitude of ways that I do that using martial arts and such. So uh, I was going to talk, you know, ask you about, you know, if we fast forward to today, I mean, what, what do you feel about the future? Are you optimistic about the future? What are your, what are your dreams for the rest of your life? Well, I mean, how do you, how do you see that now? Well, um, I usually try to live very mindful on a day-to-day -day basis and not have too much ambition yeah. in my bag because I don't want to set myself up with any type of grandiose thinking that might be delusional. Um, and so I'm very much second-guessing myself many times as to what it is I want to accomplish. But right now, most of it's focused on um, just keeping my health the best I can and doing the job that I currently have the best I can, but trying to do it to where I don't set myself up for catastrophic failures in overextending myself um, doing a lot of artwork and, a, and a, an extensive amount of writing right now. Um, I'm actually writing a couple books about the disease and um, two different ones, but it's on two different um, topics on the disease. Um, and one is actually about people who have had the disease but have accomplished great things in our society or around the world. And so that's kind of an interesting study of others who have had it, who have suffered and 
Many have lost their lives to it because of um, suicidal ideation and such. So I kind of want to give voice to all of those in a kind of large format, not just one biography, but just everybody in general and say, look, even if you have the disease, you can accomplish great things. It's not the disease doesn't just make who you are. It's you're who you are. Plus you have the disease. You know, it's not the schizophrenic Brian. It's Brian who has schizophrenia and he's also got all these other things he's accomplished. Uh, I just this year published my fifth book. So there's a lot that I'm um, creating, but at the same time, I have to be very wary of the the shoe can drop the next minute and I can have terrible symptomology and I have to take a step back from doing anything and just give myself as much care as I can and just survive day to day. I mean, getting out of bed can be a challenge sometimes for us and I'm just glad to just do the simple things like that and not overextend myself too much but i would say that that's kind of what i'm focused on doing is those large extent of items like that um relationship wise i have pretty much given myself over to just a very um hermit like celibate lifestyle and just not really entwine myself with another emotionally because for me it's just a very uh, not, not the most secure sounding area as already you know i lost my wife and so i don't really want to put myself through that um and it's not a big deal for me uh at all really um companionship is good but um when my mind's not working the best that it can i really don't want to put someone else through that um and i know some people would say well you can have find someone who will love you for who you are, but that's that's a nice aphorism to say, but the reality of it, it's a lot more complicated, and people are far less forgiving than others think they are, especially when it comes to mental disease as opposed to if you're missing an arm or you're blind or you're mute or something like that. That's a lot more acceptable for people, but an invisible disease is not as much accepted when it comes to interpersonal relationships. Do you consider yourself disabled? Oh, certainly in some regards, yeah. And it's one of the worst ones because it's not only manifest physically, but it manifests cognitively. And in our society and in the West, the way most people are viewed survival-wise in our, in our culture is how you can be productive job-wise. You know, how much are you worth to the market? And yeah, that's a despicable way to treat human beings, but unfortunately that's the way the market is geared and society is geared. And um, the greatest parts of society say the opposite of that, but the ones who are behind most of society, that's their standard of measuring people. And so when you are disabled in a certain regards and you accept the fact that you don't work to your full potential like you used to when you were younger and everything was working, you know, all the 18 wheels were working on the rig and now you're down to half the wheels, you have to be real about your situation and what you can accomplish and what you can do. And for me, 
giving myself that buffer zone of you can only do so much, don't push yourself, that allows me to not put myself in situations of creating stress in an environment that can cause a relapse and a lot greater issues to manifest. Okay, yeah, this has been a fantastic interview. Um, I want to wrap it up. I just want to ask you one last question before we do that. Sure. What, what you call it a disease. So what, what do you feel, you know, what, what do you feel schizophrenia is in a, you know, what, 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 do you, how, how do you classify it? Do you feel it like it is just misfiring chemicals in the brain? I mean, what, what do you think it is? Well, I've become a very big advocate as to what the disease actually is. And not only does it literally affect the physical form of the brain, but it has a detrimental effect cognitively on the ability to comprehend and serotonin levels. And so it causes positive and negative manifestations of symptoms that involve, you know, the bioelectrical system of the brain, the way it physically works, the chemical process. So, unfortunately, the brain really comes after you on about every gambit of how the brain and the mind works. And so, it's an all-encompassing disease that can also physically deteriorate the person because when you look at things like depression and various symptoms, it can actually physically manifest and cause literal pain in the person registered as pain. So, it's it's way above just psychosomatic it's a literal physical ailment that manifests physically as well as psychologically and emotionally right right got it yeah so so yeah okay fine you, you see it as a you know in, 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 a, in a sense of neurological disorder you know like a physical a physical illness yeah i mean there, there is definitely um definitely evidence that supports that for sure yeah and and then it okay yeah. Brian, yeah, yeah, so carry on, carry on, please. Well, no, it just, you know, not only does it it do all those, you know, it does all those things that I mentioned, but then it it affects something that's considered more abstract, which is perception. And that's wherein it can yeah. not get as much empathy from people because, you know, oh, why don't you just stop acting up? Why don't you just, you know, realize what's going on? But you know, those things come from physical properties of the brain that the the mind is encased within. So even if you've got a great driver in the seat of a car, if the car is like a jalopy that can barely hardly do anything and wrecks all the time, it doesn't matter if you've got a great race car driver behind the seat. And like I know you've mentioned in other times about spirituality is very important. It is it is for me too. Um, and so I view the human essence to be a, a vehicle that can perfect itself on many levels, but we do have to deal with what the vessel is we have now. And I think really that's one thing we need to work on having not only compassion for everybody else, but 100% first and foremost for ourselves and love ourselves for all the faults and all the positive things we have. Yeah, absolutely. I think you've raised some very important points there. You know, it's not just, um, you know, it is, to be honest, even for, 
for people like you and me who have been diagnosed, it is still a, you know, we only have theories of what we experience. We only can say, well, you know, I think it's like this because of what I've experienced. But also, perhaps more importantly, is how other people treat people with schizophrenia. And that, and that perhaps is one of the most important aspects that, that needs to be that needs to be changed. It's almost it's almost a taboo these days to say I've got schizophrenia. It's, there's so much fear wrapped up in that word and what it means. And so yeah, I mean, there's you know we we've got a long way to go, but you know I, I think I think if we keep talking about it, you know we keep showing that you know it, we're a positive influence. And we and we've got a lot to say, and we and we want to make our voices heard. Um, I think I think we can do it because history has shown that you know a small group of people who are determined um, to defeat the ignorance and stigma will prevail. Yeah. So yeah, Brian, that's fantastic. Yeah, I'm really happy with that. Um, you know, so thanks, thanks very much. Um, I will. I will put Brian's contact details on the episode description if you want to get in touch with him about any of his any of his art or his books. Um, you know, so absolutely fantastic. Thank you very much, Brian. No, thank you very much for having me and lending, you know, a human voice to this uh, movement. I greatly appreciate it. And your work is extremely valuable, and I thank you for doing it as much as you can. And I hope you're... I hope your site and your group grows exponentially. Cheers, pal. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.